This is the woman behind the business, featuring honest dialogue that advances and inspires women entrepreneurs. Here's your host, Angel Livis. This week on The Woman Behind the Business, how loss can be the whisper to your calling. You know me, I'm your host, Angel Livis, and today we have two amazing women in studio with me. They're moms, wives, businesswomen, and they have both experienced the loss of a child. Our first guest spent over two decades in the IT and information security industries before she answered a calling to create the Christian Roberts Foundation. This nonprofit was designed to educate and assist low-income and homeless individuals while also providing scholarships to young men and women who have lost a loved one due to gun violence. Wanda Roberts founded the Christian Roberts Foundation after her son was murdered last year. Prior to her son's death, Christian was an avid volunteer and very passionate about helping those less fortunate than him. His death is, is what birthed the idea of the Christian Roberts Foundation where Wanda strives to continue her son's legacy of helping the homeless and low-income families. Welcome to the show, Wanda. Thank you. Thank you very much, Angel. Now, Wanda, it's really um, powerful to have you, one, here, and it's very soon, in my opinion, Mm because your son just, you know, this all took place last year. Yes. Um, How did you go about turning your grief into a ministry? Well, um, as you said earlier, uh, Christian was my youngest child, and uh, my husband and I, uh, we've been married for 37 years, and we had three children, and Christian was the youngest one. Mm -hmm. And uh, after he graduated from college, uh, one of the things that, uh, well, as he grew up, he just had a heart for serving and giving and just loved everyone, and everyone loved him. And so um, uh, after he graduated from college, what he started doing on his own was really just giving back to the homeless. He noticed specifically in Baltimore that there was a need um, to serve the homeless. And he was a he was an avid basketball player in college and in high school. And so he was all about shoes and all about sneakers. That was his love. And so what he started doing on his own was just uh, getting his friends and others to donate shoes. And then he would take them down uh, to the Baltimore area where a lot of homeless people are uh, to just give them away. Um, we uh, also found out during that time that he was also helping uh, organizations in D.C. So you took all of the things that he innately did on his own yes. and you created a foundation around it. That's correct. That's correct. Because um, um, after his death, it was it was a huge impact. So many people began to come to us saying, you know, what can we do? We loved him. We want to help. Mm-hmm. So uh, that birthed the idea of starting the, the foundation to basically continue his legacy and continue giving back like he was. Now, you are an ordained minister, is that correct? Yes. Mm-hmm. How do you manage it all? Because mm-hmm. if you're a minister, you still work in IT, I mm-hmm. presume, mm-hmm. as well as running this foundation. Mm-hmm. How are you? And you're married and you yes. have other children. Yes, yes, yes. So how do you handle the balance? Um, it is not easy, of course. Uh, you just have to uh, put your mind to it. So what I do is I have uh, different days and times to manage 
different things. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, of course, I work uh, full time. I work full time, but uh, in the evenings, etc., I do uh, maybe do something with the foundation uh, in, in on one day, and I might do uh, something with the grandkids on the weekends, etc. Mm-hmm. So it's just a balancing act, really, on uh, picking and choosing time frames and a lot and allotting time to uh, focus on one area before you move into the other. I love it. Mm-hmm. Now, I want to learn a little bit more about Christian. You talked about his mm-hmm. work and the things that he did on his own. Like, mm-hmm. what do you recall being the thing that really stood out about Christian? Uh, the the thing that really stood out um, about Christian is he was very, very uh, loving and considerate. He was the child that uh, very thoughtful on how he gave gifts and how he just loved others. Um, as an example, uh, he had um, got his grandparents' names tattooed on him. Not a girlfriend or anything, but his grandparents' names. Not his mama. Not his, not mama, his grandparent. <laughs> uh, another time, he has a, a crew, you know, mm-hmm. his crew that he grew up uh, all through school, uh, uh, through uh, middle school and high school and college. And uh, every Mother's Day, he would take each one of his friends' uh, parents' Of a bouquet of roses, Aww. like who does that? Or he'll um, uh, he'll give my sister, well his sister, my daughter, uh, something for his birthday. And her, I remember her husband joking. He's like, "Man, Christian, let me give my wife something before you <laughs> jump in and give her something." So he was just always that very giving. Uh, considered giving uh, child. Um, after his death, I actually found something that he had given me for Mother's Day some years ago that literally made me cry. Uh, basically. Basically, what he did was he went and found all of these old pictures of me, blew them up, wrote a poem, if you will, on the back of each one and made it into a booklet Aww. and gave that to me as Mother's Day. He didn't make a card. He personally made it. So he was just that type of child, that type of uh, young man. How how what, how old was he? Uh, when he passed away, he was 24. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so take us back to when you found out. Mm-hmm. Of like what happened? Um, we so um, so Christian was living. We we have a, a a house, a rental property where my daughter, her husband, and her four children lived. Um, they lived on the upper level, and then in the basement, we have a basement apartment. So my daughter is living up on the upper levels. Her and her family, and Christian lived in the basement apartment. So he was really close to his sister and his nieces and nephews. Uh, and so my husband and I are empty nesters. So basically, um, three o'clock, I think, in the morning. We got a call from my daughter saying, can you come over, which is only about five minutes from where they live. Can you come over right now? We had and she wouldn't tell us why. Can you come over to the house? Um, and so we you know, got dressed really quickly and went over there. And um, but sit- to be told, come over, over. Like, what is going through your mind at three o'clock? In the morning? We were we were we I don't know. I said it can't be. I, I don't, right, right. I don't know what it is, right. uh, but I will tell you when I got there and saw Christian's car in the 
in the driveway and I saw my daughter's car, I said, okay, good. It has nothing to do with the kids because they're all home. Maybe it was a robbery or something. Somebody broke into the house. So I'm thinking that. Mm-hmm. Um, so driving over, you don't know what to think. We're just praying like, Lord, please don't let it be anything crazy. We see his car in the driveway. We see my daughter and my son-in-law's car in the driveway. So we were like, phew, everything's good. Um, it wasn't until we actually walked in the house and saw two detectives sitting there at three o'clock in the morning you know it just it just shook us what mm-hmm. what is happening and um i mean the they introduced themselves and uh they just said we regret to inform you um and that's when we literally just broke down we address, we, re, we regret to inform you that your son um has passed away along with his friend um, so somebody else was with him when they were shot. And uh, we know his friend as well because they grew up together. And so just the, 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 the despair and the shock and the pain, you feel all of these emotions mm-hmm. and all at one time. So it was it was it was very rough. Did you ever find out like what happened or? Yes, actually. Yes. Um, um, actually, we're uh, I don't know. It, know if I can share this, but we are actually at the trial now. Mm. There were three young men that were tried. They found them within two. They found within two days, and the other one they found within another, I don't know, week or two Mm -hmm. that were um, charged. And basically, in a nutshell, um, uh, Jordan, which was Christian's friend, um, was being set up to be robbed. And... um, Christian, unknowing, Jordan asked him to ride with him. Um, Christian was just at home playing with the kids, playing with the, his nieces and nephews. And at the last minute, he um, he um, rode with Jordan, mm. n- unknowing that Jordan was being set up to be robbed. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And when did this happen? This happened January 28th of 2019. Wow. So it's been... A little over a year since it happened. And so from all of this, and you're still going through it, Mm because as you said, you're still going through the trial. Yes. You birthed the Christian. Mm -hmm. um, It's a lot. It is. The Christian Roberts Foundation. Yes, yes. And so what is it that you hope to implore with this organization? So with the Christian Roberts Foundation, I mean, our whole goal is to give back. Again, we want to continue Christian's legacy. He just had that heart for giving and not forgiving heart, but he had a heart for <laughs> giving. And so uh, we want to continue that legacy again um, because he was focused on uh, the homeless mm-hmm. and low income. He was doing uh, food baskets and shoes and toiletries, et cetera. We want to continue that. Mm-hmm. So we want to, we want the foundation to continue to give back to the homeless and the low income communities. Also, though, because Christian was shot and we realized that there's so much gun violence, um, not just in this area, but just across the country, really. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that we recognized is we, we looked at ourselves as victims. Um, even though Christian and Jordan were shot and killed, they, they definitely were victims. But when you have a loved one that is lost, it sort of leaves this 
hole and this void in you and you 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 become a victim and what we thought about was that the fact that you know what if Christian had children what if what if it was a parent that was shot and killed and what we found was that um, oftentimes young people that are killed um, or I'm sorry young people that are that may lose a loved one like a parent or a caregiver, et cetera, they'll lose financial support. Mm -hmm. Um, They will lose the ability to just push on. And so because Jordan and Christian were recent college graduates, what we thought of was how could we give back to um, other people who may have been victims of gun violence? And so what we thought about was let us uh, provide scholarship money to young people who may have had a parent that was lost mm-hmm. or a young person that maybe was shot, maybe not killed, but perhaps you know harmed through a gun. So it's all about giving back. Um, scholarship money so that young people can attend college or trade school because we know everybody doesn't want to go to college all right. the time, but they might want to go to the, the trade school. So our goal is to be able to service that community that I think sometimes is kind of lost. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody focuses on the person that's killed, but then they may not focus on the people that are left behind. Right. So because they were recent college graduates, we wanted young people to be able to further their education like they were able to do. Awesome. We're speaking with Wanda Roberts, the woman behind the Christian Roberts Foundation. Now, with your scholarships, how do you go about funding them? So um, we uh, go solely uh, based upon the kindness of others. Uh, We do uh, fundraisers. Um, Again, because this just happened last year, we are fairly new at um, at the fundraising arm or just the organization in general. Um, so our goal, we do two things uh, for the scholarships. Uh, we're having a um, a scholarship fundraiser, our very first one that's coming up, uh, where we're doing a scholarship where we are a scholarship fundraiser gala. Uh, but basically, what we're doing is we are asking you know corporations, we're asking individuals to basically donate to the cause. Mm-hmm. So tell me about this fundraiser. So the fundraiser um, is a um, a sneaker ball. It's a gala uh, that we are having. Uh, we're calling it the sneaker ball to, to stay in line with Christian's love of shoes. Okay. Uh, everyone knows that Christian just loves sneakers and he had all sorts of sneakers. And so what we're doing is we are uh, having a, it's a dinner dance, it's a gala, uh, but basically you are dressing in formal attire and you're wearing sneakers with your attire. So at this um, at this ball that we're calling it the sneaker ball, the sneaker ball is um, um, uh, set up so that it's a reception, sort of a cocktail hour. Uh, we'll have a sit-down dinner. Um, we're having a live band. Uh, we're also having a DJ. We're doing door prizes. Uh, we're having a silent auction um, and some other fun things, uh, red carpet, photo ops, and just uh, allow people to have a fun time for a fun cause. I mean, for a great cause. Now, do you find that 
now that you've established this foundation, that it draws you closer to your son still? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I find that uh, I found like he, I feel like he's proud of what we're doing, um, just continuing uh, to push forward, even through our grief. Uh, we have the ability. This this sort of brings me joy and um, it, it constantly ha- ha- constantly has me uh, thinking about him because we're doing a lot of it in his honor. And so that's one thing as a mom, I don't ever want to forget is to forget him. Mm -hmm. So the foundation itself actually helps my husband and myself uh, continue to push through, push through this cause, do good for the community, but also keep them in our minds. Now, I feel like you've done an amazing job mm. with managing your grief because mm-hmm. I don't know a lot of mamas that could go on, you know, and yeah. do an interview about something yes. that's still very um, new. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. How or what ste- steps have you taken to manage your grief? Well, um, one of the things I did, as you mentioned, I had been in IT for a while, but I work for an outstanding company. And uh, one of the things that they allowed me to do was to just take time off. So last year, right after it happened, I took time off and I went to counseling. I went to counseling um, for a good while just to talk through uh, what we have been dealing with. Mm-hmm. Um, additionally, um, you know, when it when you have a death of a loved one, a lot of times you don't want to be bothered with anybody. <laughs> At least that's how I oops, that's how I was. Um, but I find that surrounding myself with family and friends also really helps uh, helps me cope. And um, so it's not just my family and my friends, but many, many of Christian fr- Christian's friends have become part of our family mm-hmm. because he was so well known in the community and loved by so many people. A lot of the a lot of the young people now, Miss Roberts, w- Mister Roberts, what can we do? Um, what do you need? We're there for you. We love you. And so I think um, not only dealing with the grief counseling, but just surrounding yourself with uh, family and friends to help. And then, of course, you know, being in the ministry, just prayer and, you know, uh, uh, just standing on God's God's word to get you through. Now, how has it impacted your marriage? Um, I think it has brought us closer. Um, I think through his death, uh, of course, we deal with uh, the death and the grief differently. Mm-hmm. I am just a emotional person where I'm crying often. I'll ball up on the couch and people tell me, Wanda, don't worry. That's normal. normal. Yeah. That's absolutely normal. We would be worried if you weren't doing that. So while I'm more outward with my um, with my uh, grief, he's more inward. But I think we have that connection. As I said, we've been married for 37 years. So if anything, it's brought us closer because um, we have to uh, deal with it and deal with it together. Now, one of the things that we talked about earlier was just how close he and his sister mm-hmm. relationship, mm-hmm. Um, as well as with their children, because they all live together yes. and, mm-hmm. you know, very active. How do you guys do family counseling or, you know, what have, have you all done to ensure that the kids are OK, your daughter is OK, and everybody is maneuvering through the process mm-hmm. to kind of feel like everybody mm-hmm. is together. Yeah, we uh we have not done family counseling as a as a, a family 
counseling sessions mm-hmm. as a family. Everyone is kind of doing their own individual counseling. But the main thing we do is we do um, Sunday or Saturday dinners where everyone uh, comes together and just breaks bread. It's just us. Mm-hmm. And we have an opportunity to you know talk about Christian or laugh about things or look at pictures or look at videos. And my grandkids, they're off. They're seven and under. It's six of them. So it's there's their age is seven and under. And they too know um, about Uncle Christian and they talk about Uncle Christian often. Um, A perfect example is the other day I was uh, babysitting my grandkids and the four-year-old, I was telling him to take his jacket off and because it was inside out Mm -hmm. and he told me no and wait a minute Wait, you don't tell you don't tell Duchess no, and so that's my grandma name, Duchess. <laughs> so you don't tell Duchess no. And uh, I said, "What did you say?" And he's like, "Well, I don't, I don't want to, I, I don't want to take off my jacket." And he pointed to Christian's picture. He says, "Because I want to be cool like Uncle Christian," and he's four. So mm-hmm. they have they they keep my daughter and her and my son in law keep Uncle Christian's name, you know, in the forefront, so they'll never forget them. As well as my son, my uh, oldest son has two kids. Oh, wow. So. So, so yeah, so that's we just kind of do things as a family to keep it going. I love it. Mm-hmm. Now, I'd be remiss if I did not acknowledge your recent award at the 2019 Exelon Women's Conference, which mm-hmm. honors individuals who encourage and inspire through giving back to the community. Yes. What was that like when you found out that you won that award? Well, it was the 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 winning the um, new new award, a network of Exelon women. It was an amazing. Uh, um, Award and compliment, if you will. Uh, what I was told was that um, this organization or this it's my company, but we we do this event every year, and there are different categories. Mm-hmm. And what I was told was that I was actually nom- you have to be nominated for the award, and I was actually nominated for several different awards. So when they were calling off the the award name, the actual award and the awardees or the nominees. Almost every award, they were mentioning Wanda Roberts, and everybody was like, who is this Wanda Roberts? <laughs> but um, ultimately, I was the winner of the um, the one, uh, the Serve Award. And so it was an amazing experience, not only because just the fact that someone would nominate me, you know, you never know who's watching. Mm-hmm. Like, people knew that I had started the foundation. People knew that we were doing uh, the work in the in the community, giving shoes, et cetera. But you think they don't know all the details, but come to find out I was uh, nominated uh, several times by several different people to receive this award. So it was an amazing experience to to uh, win that. Oh, that's awesome. Well, congratulations from Thank us you. with the woman behind the business. And Thank I'm sure you. there's plenty more coming your way. Mm-hmm. And I would love for you to stay with us as we welcome our next guest. Is mm-hmm. that good? Yes. All right. Awesome. All right. Well, when we come back, I'm going to introduce you to the woman behind Visionary Initiatives. Stay with us. Are you tired of dragging yourself into the office while your business ideas are being left at home? It might be time to turn your side hustle into your main hustle. Join me as I take you on a journey of transitioning into a full-time entrepreneur in my book, Side Hustle to Main Hustle, The Woman's Guide to Transitioning into Full-Time Entrepreneurship. I'll walk you through my five-step system to give you the confidence, business structure, accountability, support, and transparency you need to transition effectively and successfully. To grab your free downloadable copy of the book, text DREAM to 31996. That's DREAM to 31996. 
Welcome back to the Woman Behind the Business Talk Show. I'm your host, Angel Livis. And now you'll meet author and trainer, Latika Vines. Latika is a certified human capital strategist, strategic and training development specialist who happens to have authored two books and is the mom of four beautiful daughters. Welcome to the show, Latika. Thank you for having me. So we started the show off talking about how this is the theme of today ironically, is about how you've gone through loss and how you've essentially transitioned that loss into um, your passion. How did you transition your loss of your daughter? What's it? Yeah, your daughter. Transition your loss of your daughter into um, your passion and the work that you're doing now. Well, I was 21 years old when she passed away. And at that age, many of us don't know what we're doing in life. Mm. And I didn't. Um, I had, if we back up a little bit, got married to someone I had only met and known for five months and got married. And what'd your mama say? (laughs) (laughs) Cause I can tell you what my mama would've said. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's another topic for another show. <laughs> um, but yeah, so got married um, two days after I turned 19 and then bam, pregnant. And then she's gone. And I had no idea what was left of me because my ex-husband, he had um, two children that he could still comfort. Mm-hmm. He had family that he could still comfort um, and go to. Me, I felt like I was the only one in the world who was experiencing the loss of my only child at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really had to, I went to counseling um, and I really had to understand, okay, God, what is it that I need to do? Mm-hmm. Um, and so it really forced me to sit down and reevaluate just who Latika is. And from there, I'm still evolving. Now, what happened to your daughter? So she passed away at seven months and 29 days old of sudden infant death syndrome um, on November 19, 2005. Wow. So that's like 15-year anniversary yes. coming up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's crazy to think it's been 15 years. Now, how has that transitioned into you um, and the work that you do? Well, I will say that after she passed away, I felt like so many other moms needed to have the knowledge um, that I was now receiving um, because even though I worked in a social services organization, I knew about SIDS, I knew about SUDI, I knew about infant death, I had no idea about SIDS and what that would mean for me. Um, So I actually, with a friend of mine that I met um, through the University of Maryland, we actually started going out and um, creating events to help others or make them aware that SIDS and SUDI does happen, and particularly amongst us of African-American and Native American descent, 
it's two to three times more likely for us to have a child from different So can you educate our audience for people who may not know like what that exactly means or how that transforms, you know, if they have a new baby? Um, so for me, I am African-American and Native American. My ex-husband was from Trinidad. Mm. So we had a higher chance of a child, based on statistics, die from SIDS because of our Native background, Um, something that I'd never would have ever known. Mm. Um, And so our child would have died more um, or had a a higher chance of dying than um, a Caucasian couple would have, Mm -hmm. um, which is a statistic that normally we would never have known. So is it just as the name suggests, like the infant just dies? Yes. Um, what they say is that the, um, and I'm, I'm probably pronouncing this right, but the serotonin, mm-hmm. um, it diminishes or it lacks mm-hmm. um, as the child is asleep. And I did, I knew everything about making sure there was nothing in the crib, making sure there were no crib bumpers, making sure it wasn't too hot. She actually was asleep in her onesie mm-hmm. with no socks on. So I did everything that I was supposed to do um, in my power to. Mm-hmm. Um, and she still passed away. So how did that make you feel like and this is coming from a place of like I went through five miscarriages right and so I think the conversation around losing a child at various stages is something that one doesn't necessarily happen that often especially in the African-American community and two it's something where you do feel like you're alone in this place of who else has this happened to or who else is going to understand. And your family and friends, unless they've gone through it, they don't understand. And they're trying to comfort you in ways that you're just like, yo, I just need you to go have a seat, ma'am. You know what I mean? And so, you know, what was that like for you? Because I can remember a conversation that my mom had with me. And at the time, she didn't even know how many I had. She just knew, I Mm. I think at the time she knew I had two. Nobody knew how many I had until after I had my first son. Wow. And so... After the the one that she knew about, I remember her saying um, something along the lines of, like, this has to be hard for you. Like, how are you coping? You know, because you're so used to excelling at everything that you do. Mm-hmm. And the one thing that your body should be able to do, you're mm-hmm. not able to do. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, in the midst, I'm like, did this woman <laughs> just say what I think she said? Mm-hmm. You know, but understanding it was coming from a place of love yeah. and understanding yeah. like that that's just knowing your child who is an overachiever, right? Right. So how do you adapt and deal with something that's completely out of your control and there's no explanation and mm-hmm. I mean, it's not an acceptable right. mm-hmm. explanation outside of, oh, my F, my background, his background, we had this beautiful baby, and then you just took her away from me. Right, right. Um, I, I would definitely say I had a lot of comments um, about me. Um, oh, you're young. You can have another one. Or did people blame you? Oh, yeah. I'm sure. Oh, oh, yeah. Because I got that, too. I, I, yeah. I, the one that I got was, what well, was your fault that you met a man and married him? <clears throat> wow. I, I got a lot of comments. And, you know, 
what can you do? Right. You can't really do anything. Um, but I've learned, of course, you know, sometimes it's a place of love. Sometimes it's a place of fear mm-hmm. that people are coming and saying things to you. Um, but I just ignored it, mm-hmm. you know, because it's not my fault. It's not God's fault. Right. God, you know, children are precious in God's eyes. Mm-hmm. He does not cause any harm. Mm-hmm. Um, we do live in an imperfect world and imperfect things happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I said, you know what? I'm just going to rest that I'm going to see her again. And mm-hmm. that's the, the hope that I can live with every single day. Um, but, yeah, I definitely felt alone. Um, and when my... When Victoria died, my ex-husband and I separated mm-hmm. 10 days after she passed away. So I really felt isolated by myself. Yes. Mm-hmm. So how did you use that to transition? Like uh, in the intro, I mentioned that you are a human capital strategist, which I have no idea what that means. <laughs> um, so like, one, what does that mean? And who is your ideal client? Is it somewhere you know, this woman that you once were? Oh, absolutely. So uh, human capital strategist is a Did you make that up? No, I actually don't. I have a certification (laughs) in it. (laughs) I I thought it said certified in this. And I was like, well, who certified her? Go ahead, sorry. The Human Capital (laughs) Institute right here in D.C. (laughs) Um, But yes, I actually have a few certifications from them. But, um, you know... I realized that I love helping people. Mm-hmm. And one of the things, um, you know, again, being married so young and not knowing which direction to go in, I realized that there were so many women like me who have no idea what they're what they're going to be, mm-hmm. honestly. Um, and so they're going through this evolution, evolution phase and not knowing the direction. Um, so as a human capital strategist, I actually help people and organizations to have a strategic direction, have a plan on where they're going. Um, for employers, um, that includes organizational development, succession management, and for employees, particularly working moms that I work for or with, it's what is the strategic direction of your life? Mm. What is the strategic direction of your career? Where are you going? We can't sit back and say, oh, my mom, I can't do that. Mm. We can't. You know, there's so much for us to do as human beings and God didn't just place us on here just to, to be, place us. Right. Yes. Yeah. So what would be the difference between the a human capital strategist and a life coach per se? Nothing. <laughs> you just picked the difficult word. <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> well, I mean, but that's good. That's that's yes. branding. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. and it's best to make people be like, well, what is this? Right. Okay. Right. Yes. Okay. Got it. <laughs> Two snaps to you. All right. Now, you help moms who are feeling overwhelmed managing all of their important titles and balance. What are three things that busy moms can do to experience a little self-care? Oh, that is a, such a good question. Um, self-care, I'm going to tell you, and this is what I practice. One, if you can, as soon as I get home and I park my car in a garage, I sit there. Before I go in the house, before anything, I sit there and just kind of get myself together. Um, another thing I do is... I um, align my work schedule that I have every other Friday off. Mm. And so on those Fridays that I have off, 
it's just me and I get out of the house because a lot of times when we're in the house we start cleaning <laughs> laundry cooking mm-hmm. and everything else I get out of the house so even if it's two three four hours up the road at a coffee shop I'm sitting there looking out the window doing nothing mm-hmm. um, and then it, and I know that's not ideal for everybody but if you have an opportunity to use your leave because what do we have leave for mm-hmm. in the workplace and sometimes you need those mental health days to go and just be by yourself mm-hmm. um, but I definitely recommend that you be by yourself and honestly have a relationship with God that's not your traditional answer for self care but in order for you to really be okay to rejuvenate yourself you have to have a relationship with God because he can tell you what you need to do and replenish you yes mm-hmm. no that's good all right now your organization visionary initiatives helps organizations and moms master work yes. and life balance which you just said how does it work in the corporate space though yeah so depending on where you work um the thing that I always tell working moms is one, have a plan. Mm. So figure out what does work-life balance mean for you? How can you actually achieve it? Have that plan, write it down, and then go to your supervisor and talk about how you can you know, implement this plan. Every supervisor, every manager, every leader in every organization is different. Um, so you're going to have a different outcome depending on your organization. Mm. But the one key I say to all moms is that when you're searching for a job, read the fine line. If they are not an organization that um, allows for work-life balance, and work-life balance could be flexibility. It could be working part-time. Mm-hmm. It could be working um, telecommuting. You know, you're working from home or maybe a closer location. If they don't have that, go to the next. Right. Um, you know, look for another organization. But definitely... You know, make sure you have a solid plan and that you can work with your supervisor to implement that plan and be open to compromise. Yeah, no, that's good. Now, Fear Not Because God Said So. It's a powerful title, um, and that is one of your titles of one of your books. What was the genesis of that book? Honestly, being in business being in business, um, going after my goals. There are so many instances where I've blamed other people for not achieving my goals, where I have not um, said, okay, I want to be the first African-American chief learning officer in my organization. I didn't do it because I have four kids, and that doesn't look good for me being in this corporate arena. Fear sets in. And what I realize is we read the Bible. We know what the Bible says. We know that the Bible tells us that God didn't give us a spirit of fear, but he gave us a spirit of love and power. But what does that mean? Mm-hmm. And I'm going to tell you, Satan took me through the ringer with this one in writing it because he knew that fear was my biz- biggest obstacle in being who Latika is. Mm. And I had to push that out to push the devil aside for me to get to where I am today. And how do you push away fear? Because that's a major obstacle that a lot of people 
literally they allow themselves to be overcome yes. with fear and it does not allow them to live to their full potential. And so th- there's uh, Miles Monroe once said, there's so many people in their graves mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. amazing, you know, yes. potential and things that they were supposed to do. Mm-hmm. So how do you push aside that fear to ensure that you're able to walk within your purpose? The one thing I do in this book is I have you write it down. What are you afraid of? Really, what are you afraid of? Analyze yourself. What are you afraid of? And a lot of times once you write it down and you see it, you realize that's nothing to be afraid of. Mm. Okay. Good. Well, I think we have definitely learned a lot. And I definitely want to recognize you as well because the um, International Association of Women recently welcomed you and as the president of their Waldorf, Maryland chapter. Um, So congratulations on that. And what is the organization about and who are their ideal members? Yes. So the International Association of Women is a professional organization of women who are um, currently in leadership positions, maybe are trying to get to leadership positions, but are really there to advance their careers. They give free, not free, um, because it is a membership-based organization, but they do give training, virtual training. Um, They have monthly or weekly meetups in your certain um, chapter Mm -hmm. where they bring in um, SMEs from the local area Mm -hmm. and just give you training on business or your career. Mm -hmm. So it's really geared to help women just advance. I love it. Yes. Awesome. Well, thank you, ladies, for joining us. And it is time for us to move into our moments from the valley. So we're going to take a quick break and we're going to listen to a little Sade. I've never done that one. Um, And so while we listen to Sade, I'm going to give you guys an opportunity to think about your moment from the valley. And you're both looking at me like, well, what is she talking about? (laughs) All right. So your moment from the valley is a time and place that you have to share what situation you were in that you did not know how you were going to get out of it, what the situation was, how you got out of it, and what was waiting on the other side. So I'll give you a moment to think, and we're going to listen to a little Sade. Stay with us. I won't pretend that I intend to stop living. I won't pretend I'm good at forgiving. But I can't hate you. Stop living 
Wanda, we are going to start with you. Okay. Uh, my moment of the valley? Mm-hmm. Is that what it's called? So, um, as I mentioned uh, to you earlier, um, just uh, Christian's death just really, um, I won't say it destroyed me, but it left this big gaping hole. Uh, so, uh, after the funeral was all, all said and done, one day I was just on the couch bawling, crying all by myself. Um, prior to um, uh, during the funeral planning, I have an older son. His name is Marcus, and Marcus attended uh, the University of Louisville. Um, he was a football player, and Marcus had a roommate um, whose name was Daniel, um, and Daniel was like Christian. I met him once or twice, um, but he had that same kind of spirit as Christian. Um, after Marcus and Daniel uh, graduated, Marcus moved back to Maryland. Daniel stayed in uh, Kentucky. At the age of 24, Daniel was shot and killed via road rage. Um, Daniel was active in church, active in the community. I, I love children, outstanding football player, 
just like Christian was. Um, so I remember, and this happened seven or eight years ago. I remember when uh, Daniel was uh, killed, Marcus traveling to um, Kentucky to, of course, to attend the funeral, et cetera. I also um, um, remember Marcus telling me in years prior that he would talk to Daniel's mom uh, every year on Daniel's birthday since his passing. So fast forward to last year when we were planning the funeral, um, Marcus says to me, um, or I say to Marcus, I think there's just going to be um, two or 300 people at the funeral. And Marcus's response was, oh no, mom, I think it's going to be hundreds of people because, and then he brings up Daniel's name out of the blue because Christian reminds me so much of Daniel and who he was and how he was loved. Mm -hmm. And so I just shrugged my shoulders. Well, whatever. I guess we'll just get a church that's appropriate to have the uh, funeral. And I hope I'm not being too long winded, but uh, basically, um, I kind of shrugged my shoulders and then fast forward to the next week or two, Marcus calls me surprised saying, guess who called me? It was, um, I said, who? He said, Daniel's mom. And I said, really? Because I remembered he said he talked to her once a year. She's in Kentucky. And so I said, what does she want? He said, she just wanted to offer her condolences and that she understands what you're going through. And if there's anything you need, let her, let her know. And I said, well, how did you, how did she know? How did she find out? She's in Kentucky. We're in Maryland. He said, I don't know. I don't know how she found out. And so fast forward, and I just shrugged my shoulders. I did not want to talk to anybody, honestly, especially somebody I didn't know. Um, so I just, he said, I'll send you her number. Okay, whatever, son. Uh, fast forward, the funeral happened. And now fast forward to me on the couch a week later or some days later, bawling my eyes out in a fetal position all by myself. And then something just said, um, and I was really down, as you can imagine. And something said, call Daniel's mom. And I said, call Daniel's mom? I don't know that lady. I don't, I don't want to talk to anybody. It's like, call Daniel's mom. So I was like, oh, okay. So I called Daniel's mom and just kind of introduced myself. And uh, we did a small talk. And I said, by the way, how did you find out about Christian? Daniel's mom says... I was talking to my friend who lived in Savannah, Georgia, and um, they were husband and wife. And I was talking to my friend in Savannah, Georgia, and somebody was on the phone talking to my friend's husband in Savannah, Georgia, telling them about this young man who was shot and killed in Maryland. And the her friend who lived in Savannah, Georgia, started to cry and said, my gosh, he sounds so familiar to my friend, son, Daniel, who lives in Kentucky. So this person in Georgia is crying over my son because she's thinking about her friend's son, Daniel, who lives in Kentucky. And so she calls um, Daniel's mom and she's telling him the story, telling her the story about Christian crazy, right? She's telling him the story about telling her the story about Christian and then she says, "Oh, by the way, I understand that his older brother, Christian's older brother, went to the University of Louisville." And so Daniel's mom said, "Really? What's his name?" And she said, "I think his name is Marcus." So Daniel's mom says, "Wait a minute. I know a Marcus mm. who is from Maryland." that went to the University of Maryland, that was Daniel's roommate. 
And so she said, that can't be the same person. There's no way it's the same person. Fast forward to Marcus getting the phone call, surprise, to get the mother, to get the call from Daniel's mom out of the blue. So that thing just took me for a loop because I found, and, and little things like that have been happening since, because I found that when I get really down, um, these instances, and so it's just not one, I guess, these valleys that I go through uh, since his death, um, I get down into these valleys, and then something happens. It's like it's almost orchestrated by the Lord, where let me just give you this little wink, or let me just give you this little t- tidbit, because I understand what you're going through, and this will help you push it through to understand that I got you, and I love you, and people love you, and people love Christian. And so when we talk about these valleys, for me, I'm pretty sure I've had valleys over my you know, life, but this one is fresh and new that I go through these things. And then, and then it's almost like the Lord sends me little nuggets to let me know that it's okay. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of how I push through. Um, I get down and then I get lifted. Then I get down and then I get lifted. And so it's helping me. It's helping me push through. It's helping me cope. I love it. Thank you so much for yes. sharing. Mm-hmm. All right, Latika. I would say similar. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, it would be when Victoria passed away. Um, I was crying, Lord, what? How am I supposed to get through this? Um, and the Center of Infant Loss through the University of Maryland. I don't know how they got my number. I don't know how they got my address, but they called me and said, hey, you know, we are really sorry that you, you know, um, had a daughter die from SIDS, but we want to tell you that we're here to help you. And I just knew that was what was going to help me um, because I felt lost. I felt isolated. I felt alone because everyone that I thought was going to be there for me was not. And so um, that center really helped me. Um, they actually put me in touch with a lot of people um, who lived in, in my area um, in the, the middle state of Maryland. And um, ever since then, I have been friends with those individuals because they got me. They knew that I was going to have moments when I was going to cry out for, for no reason. I was just going to bust out and cry. And even, you know, 14 years later, I can still look at that person and they know the triggers that will cause me to be down and they can be there to just be by my side. Um, but I, I would say that Valley was not knowing what was going to happen or thinking that I was going to be by myself and really I wasn't. Wow. Okay. Well, thank you ladies for sharing your moments from the Valley. I think um, it's for me, it's really important to share those moments because we go through them, but there are other people that when you share your testimony, that it's helping and it's being a blessing too. So I really appreciate you um, sharing your moment. Uh, you want to share some social media information? Sure. Um, you can definitely find me um, on LinkedIn at Latika S. Finds, um, social media at Visionary Initiatives. Did you want to share some social media, Wanda? Uh, sure. So we have an Instagram um, account, Christian Roberts Foundation, as well as Facebook, uh, Christian Roberts Foundation. Okay. Uh, but all of our information you can also find on ChristianRobertsFoundation.com. Okay. 
Awesome. Thank you. All right. Well, that is our show for today. Thank you, ladies, so Thank much for you. being my guest. Thank you so it's much. It's been a pleasure. And for everybody who is listening, it is always a pleasure to have you join us here on the Women Behind the Business Talk Show. You can listen to past broadcasts on our website, wbbtalk.com. And we, too, have an event coming up, the Women Winning in Government Contracting. It will take place on March 24th at the City Club of Washington from 8 to 1.30 p.m., And if you are um, in a bind and trying to figure out if government contracting is right for you, it is the perfect place for you to go. Um, You can get ticket information at gc2020.eventbrite.com. All right. And that is our show for today. So I hope that you all enjoyed it. A special thank you to our show producer, Shane Lewis, and our program director, Max Myrick. Until next time, stay blessed.